song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, be happy, in every life we have some trouble, but when you worry you make it double, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Okay, that's enough. All right. Be happy. That's enough. No worry, be happy. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you all. Yeah, I was a little worried that uh, nobody would show up today. But then I read this stat that the things you... 91% of the things, I don't know who comes up with these stats, but 91% of the things we worry about never happen. So it's a good thing I was worrying because you see, there's a good possibility that you would have all showed up today by me worrying, right? 91% of the things we worry about never happen. That's reverse thinking, isn't it? I know. Why worry? Why worry? So my name is Ralph. I am one of the pastors here. Actually, I am the seniors and care pastor. I get the privilege of, of working in that, in that capacity. And today I'm speaking on the subject of, uh, can you guess what it is? Good one. You're looking at my notes. Okay, so we're in a series on the Sermon of the Mount and uh, Pastor Jer called it Summer on the Mount. So our focus has been all through summer on uh, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And uh, we're going to be focusing on chapter 6, 25 to 34. So you can look there in your Bibles if you want already. Pull out your smartphones or your uh, paper copy of the Bible. And uh, we'll be looking at that in just a bit. Okay, Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Now, worry, worry is something that every one of us are dealing with on a regular basis. Hey, how many of you uh, worried about something this morning already? Anybody here? You worried about something? Okay, the rest of you are not telling the truth. Because... Most of us here worried about something today. I mean, already. We woke up this morning and we thought, you know, oh, yeah, I just, I'm just worried that that smoke is still there, you know, because I wanted to go out on my, my e-bike today, right? So some of you were thinking that way already along those terms. We worry. But when you think about it, worry is really a, a waste of our time. And... But I got to tell you, this song that we were all whistling to and singing to and clapping to, uh, it is really kind of bad counsel. You know, when you think of it, you know, if, you, if you'd go to somebody and say, hey, somebody who's worried, somebody who's in a crisis, and you say, don't worry, don't worry, be happy. 
And if you listen to the rest of the song, you'll find out this guy is, he's saying, I, I'm happy, I'm not worried, I'm happy, you, you can be worried too, you know. And, and on and on it goes. It's, that's bad counsel. But you know, in a sense, Jesus is saying that very same thing. He's saying, don't worry. But the thing about Jesus that's different from the, from the songwriter is that he tells us how we can keep from worrying. And better yet, he, he shows us how to overcome worry. So I, I want us to read Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34 together. No, let's not read it together. You read it quietly, I'll, I'll read it out loud, okay? That's how we read. I, I don't mean we all read it together, okay? Okay, verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all, above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So last week, Pastor Jared preached on the verses prior to these ones. He talked about chasing after materialism and money. Basically, the bottom line there that Jesus was saying is you can't serve God and money. You can't serve two masters. And so here in our text that we just read, Jesus is telling us not to worry. He's telling us not to worry right on the heels of not seeking earthly treasure. And you wonder, you know, you got to ask yourself, why does he follow up a lesson on materialism with a lesson on not worrying? And I believe it's because Jesus knows that the more we have, and we all know this to be true, the more there is a tendency to worry. Materialism breeds worry. It's a, it's a fact. Material wealth can give a dangerous false sense of security. And that feeling often ends in a whole lot of worry attached to it. You know, I was reading a really funny report. It's actually a satire about a man who almost enjoyed himself. He, he was on the cusp of having fun, but suddenly he remembered every single one of his responsibilities and all the things that he had and all the things that he was supposed to be taking care of. And his near giddy buzz vanished. It's a satire, but it makes the point. Now, 
I don't want you to misunderstand. It's good to plan for the future. And it's even really good to save for the future. The Bible has a lot to say about that. And what this planning, what this planning and saving has to do with, in almost every case, is so that you're in a better position. So that you're in better posture to give. 1 Corinthians 16.2 is an example of this. On the first day of the week, this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, on the first day of the week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Save, prepare. Another quick note, just a, a quickie before we start looking closer at, at our text. The Greek words translated worry or the, the, that word, that whole thought, don't worry, in verse 25, literally means to be drawn in different directions. Worry pulls us apart. Yeah, I believe that everything in nature works together. God's handiwork. Until we come along. Until we as humans come along. We are pulled apart, so to speak, because we try to live our lives by depending on what we have, a material wealth. And we mess things up. I believe that oftentimes we, as, as Westerners, buy into this whole Western idea of happiness that is found in earthly treasure. And we stay up late at night trying to figure out how we can make things work. You know, we've all been there. We just lie awake at night. So the bottom line, we worry because we don't trust God. Because we choose to find the answers our own way. Through our own networks. Through our own means. So Jesus says, don't worry. But he doesn't leave it there. Not like the song. He goes on to teach why. Why. How you can overcome worry. So I believe that Jesus is saying, okay, kind of, this, this, these are my... You know, this is a Ralph paraphrase if ever I heard one. Okay, so when you're tempted to worry or when you find yourself sliding down the worry slide. Now, the reason I'm putting it that way is because worry is a slide. It's a slide. You start to worry and, and it just builds. How many of you know that? You just, or you, you, you just sliding down faster and faster, okay? So when you're tempted to worry or when you find yourself sliding down the worry slide, Take three action steps. Okay, three words found in Jesus' teaching here. They all begin with the letter F, and they really stand out for me. And I'm going to use these three, three words as a springboard this morning for what I believe that, that the Lord would, would uh, like us to, to hear from his teaching. The first one, how we overcome worry. We activate our faith. Verse 30 says, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? There's a beautiful simplicity about what Jesus is saying here. The examples of the birds and flowers to illustrate God's care for all of his creation, they're so simple yet so powerful 
Jesus is saying, God has built into his creation the means by which all things are cared for. What Jesus doesn't want us to engage in is worry. And he's not talking about responsible provision for our own family and our family's needs. God provides for the birds, but they still have to fly out of their nest and and go and search for the food. They have to go find it. You know, birds, birds are truly amazing. Any bird watchers in the house here? Any bird watchers? Okay, a few of you bird watchers. Any people watchers here? People watchers? (laughs) People, People watchers? Come on, come on, people watchers. (laughs) Up here. Okay, my favorite place in the world is an airport. I love going to the airports uh, because I love to watch the people. I love it. But getting back to birds, okay. I went went bird watching once. My uh, nephew's a bird watcher, and he took me away, way way in the back behind the Okanagan connector. Uh, We went way up in the bush under dirt bikes. And he said to me, Uncle Ralph, I want to take you to see some exotic birds from Central America. Very rare. He had found them at a certain place, kind of a knoll up way back. I don't know how he found them, but he found them. And he, he studied them. He watched them. He found them in a book. He realized they were from Central America and he learned how to call them. He learned their call. And, and so we get up to this knoll and after the, the, the motorcycles had, you know, the, we shut off the bikes and, and that sound had dissipated. He called the men. And here they came in. They were beautiful. I'd never seen birds quite like that. And it was an amazing experience to see these birds who, had, who were from Central America found their way up by the Okanagan connector. Amazing. And had learned to adapt and find their food and to live there. I actually did go bird watching another time, and this was at Vassal Lake. And I'm looking at these birds and and didn't have a clue what I was looking at. And because I, you know, I didn't study, I wasn't a bird watcher, but I but I saw how amazingly they they flew around and found uh, their nests and took care of their little ones. And and birds are truly amazing. We learn this lesson from the birds. This is what Jesus said in verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? That's a lesson we learn from birds. And then the second uh, example he gives here is uh, the wildflowers, the lilies. Okay, so how about our fashion industry? Our fashion industry. Our fashion industry is huge. How many of you have teenagers at home? Okay, you know, they're probably already talking about have they got the right clothes, right, to wear for school? Uh, Are they? You know, fashion. Uh, How much of our time, how much of our worry do we give to fashion? Uh, I I found this picture, actually it's a graph, of uh, the U.S. fashion industry. It's, It's absolutely bizarre. You, you look at 2020, you know, that's, that's when nobody could go shopping because of COVID, right? It went way down, only $600 billion. 
Oh. And then, because everybody's online shopping, right? It's cheaper to, to buy off Amazon, or I don't know what it is. But then 2021 comes along, and yay! I get to go shopping again, right? And look at it, whew, way up, $876 billion. That's the industry. And you know what the world's global fashion industry is? It's valued at $1.7 trillion as of 2023. Close. I think fashion is a huge worry in our Western culture. What do you think? Yeah? Am I keeping up? Am I, am I, I, I don't know. I, that's what I needed to hear. For those of you online who didn't hear that comment, they, he said, looking good, Ralph. All right. So faith, how does faith work when it comes to worry? You know, Jesus is literally saying, we worry not because we have too little faith, but because we're activating the faith. We're not activating the faith that we have. We're activating too little faith for our situation. What is faith? Faith is, Hebrews 11:1 1 tells us, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. But simply put, faith is putting action to trust. It's putting action to trust. And we trust God. If we really trust God for a certain situation, we put action to that trust. And we all know how that works. We all know how that works. You activated your faith this morning when you walked into this room and you, you picked out your chair where you wanted to sit. And, and you looked at that chair. Now, I noticed that none of you are standing there still looking at that chair. Right? You believed that that chair could hold you. And so you activated your trust in that chair. And you sat on it. That's faith. That's activating your faith. You, you activated, more specifically, your trust. Your trust. Now the Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I, I have a pastor friend of mine, and I remember how one day he said to me, I had some people come to me and, and ask me to pray for them that uh, they, they'd have more faith. And I said, no, I can't. I can't do that. No, I won't. I won't do that. But I will pray that you activate the faith you have. You see, we've all been given a measure of faith. We've got the faith. We just need to activate it. And faith means taking steps forward, living our lives under God's lordship. So we trust the Lord in conversation that he's going to give us the words. We trust them. We've heard it over and over again. We know. We trust it. So we activate our faith by starting to speak, by starting a conversation. And then we watch and see what God will do. I can hardly wait for our series 
in September. You can probably tell. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, so what about followers of Jesus in our world? Some of whom are, are dying for their faith. Some are starving to death right now. Some are suffering with the terminal disease. Or some losing everything in a natural disaster. For example, followers of Jesus who in the last couple of weeks lost their homes. And our hearts cry out to these, for these people and our concern is there. I can tell by the response of you in helping so many of them. But the question is, were they worrying and so lost their houses and possessions? Were they not activating their faith? Listen to 1 Peter 5, 7 to 9. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You know, as I, as I read this, I think of, of Job. I can't help but think of Job. And, and Job, for those of you who don't know, is, is, it's a book based on, on a man's experience by the name of Job. It's a, it's a book in the Old Testament, part of the Bible. This man uh, suffered, suffered much. And I've heard people say that he suffered because he was faithless. I've heard that. And they quote the verse, Job 3.25. Job's words, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. But if you read the book and you discover that the enemy of our souls was at work, he was prowling around, and it tells us in the book of Job, and we don't know how this all works up in the heavenlies, but the devil found himself in the presence of God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? Now, listen to God, how God speaks about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Does it sound to you like Job was a person who was activating, was not activating his faith? No, not at all. And the devil says, well, take all of his things away. Let me take all that away and, and he'll curse you. And God said, okay, take it, take it away, but don't touch him. And the devil did that and it was a horrible situation, horrible. Job lost everything. And then Job came back again. God said, see, you know, in, in so many words. And Job said, well, touch him though, touch him. Things will be different. And so God gave the devil permission to touch Job. But Job still did not curse God, even though his friends all came and said, you know, what's, what's going on here? You, you must be sinning. You've got some secret sins. Or what, what's going on? Right? They were, and, and God took care of those friends because Job was a righteous man. And Job stayed true, even in the midst of, his, of, of the terrible circumstances 
The book ends this way. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. And then he got just a whole bunch of cattle there as well. Okay, That's, that was his blessing. Now, folks, I've seen enough of the world to know that there is much suffering. And comparatively speaking, like in the West, followers of Jesus in different parts of the world and different parts of the developing world have little, comparatively speaking. But relatively speaking, compared to others in their culture, they have what they need. But still, some followers of Jesus are martyred. There, there are more people being martyred for their faith. There have been more in the last hundred years than, than there were, than there have been in the history of Christianity. More. There are more people being martyred. Even today, there will be those martyred for the sake of Jesus. There are followers of Jesus being martyred. And some are dying of starvation. And some of disease. And our text doesn't really answer why. That's not the focus of our text. It doesn't answer why, but not in so many words does it answer that question. But we do know that we will all die someday and we can't add a day to our lives. I've been asked many times and recently again, if, if Jesus is all-knowing and all-powerful and here's our prayers, why doesn't he answer my prayers? Well, the problem is that he can't answer everybody's prayers with yes. He does answer our prayers, but he doesn't always answer it with yes. You see, some are praying for the wind to go away. Others are praying that it goes another way. You know, uh, some people are praying, oh God, hold back the rain. And some are praying, Lord, let it rain. You know, over the past while, in speaking with, uh, with people in difficult circumstances, I've been so encouraged, and even to hear testimonies of people in our area, and we want to continue to pray for all of those in the South Okanagan and other places as well in the Shushwap. We want to be praying and, and uh, north in the Northwest Territories and other places of the world. We want to keep praying for them. But Jesus does know about their circumstances. He is all-knowing. He's ever-present. And he's all-powerful. We know what God can do. And we trust him in that. We put our faith in that. But we can't see the full picture. And our faith is in him. Not in our faith. Do you understand that? We don't put faith in our faith. We put faith in him. We need to have faith that our father knows the best for us. Romans 8, 35 and 37 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, 
overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I read a book this summer. That the Bonins uh, lent me this book. It's really given them courage in, in being faithful to their call. And we need to continue to pray for Adrian and Kirsten and their kids as they're in this journey of being faithful to the Lord's call in their lives. But the book's called Total Abandon, written by Gary Witherall. It's about a young couple, Gary and Bonnie Witherall, who were called to Lebanon. And they were working in Lebanon during the, the whole 9-11 crisis. And it was seriously, at that point in time, it was seriously dangerous for Westerners to be in a Middle Eastern Muslim nation. But they were called of God to serve in the least reached world, and that's where they were. And Gary writes about a close pastor friend who sent them an email one day during this time and asked them to seriously consider returning to the, to the United States. And Gary and Bonnie, they talked about what staying might mean. And they asked themselves this question, what if, what if we were called to die for our faith? Would we be willing? And then they looked at Matthew chapter 6, 27, our text here, and then Psalm 139, 15 and 16, that, where, where it says God knows everything about us. He knows. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knows us. They looked at those verses, and they realized that no man could add or take away a single day from their lives, that their days were preordained. So they decided to stay no matter what. They were careful. They were very careful, but they didn't worry. And shortly after they had made this decision, one morning, Bonnie answered the door of the clinic where she was working, helping Palestinian women through their pregnancies. And she was met by a terrorist who shot her in the face, point blank, and killed her. It's a terrible story, heart-wrenching. Their, their, their trust was in the Lord. And... and and they had activated that trust and they were living by faith, but yet this happened. And I asked the question, did God let them down? Did God let them down? No. A thousand times no. Worrying shows that we have little faith in what God can do, but he's still in charge. He's still in charge. And not worrying and, and being faithful to our call shows that we know what God can do and we leave it with him. Number two, how we overcome worry. We remember he is our father. He's our father. Verse 31. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. From personal experience again, I would say that worry brings on a seriously bad case of amnesia. William Barclay in his commentary on Matthew says this, 
Those who feed their hearts on the record of what God has done in the past will never worry about the future. Worry refuses to learn the lesson of life. We are still alive and our heads are still above water. And yet, if someone had told us that we would have, that we would have to go through what we have actually gone through, we would have said that it was impossible. The lesson of life is that somehow we have been enabled to bear the unbearable and to do the undoable and to pass the breaking point and not to break. The lesson of life is that worry is unnecessary. Jesus refers to God in, in our text here as your heavenly Father. We're God's children. Children don't really worry much, do they? It's because they assume that their parents will take care of them. No, I don't think any of our children today were worried about how the mortgage was going to be paid at, at, at the end of the month. It's close to the end of the month, right? Or the rent. They don't worry about that. And, and most children, at least in the West, don't really think about whether or not they're going to eat or how their camp fees are going to get paid. Parents, how often have you said, and I don't know if this saying is, is old-fashioned, but how often have you told your kids, hey, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. <laughs> is that an old-fashioned expression, or are you still using it these days? Money doesn't grow on trees. Jesus says, your heavenly father knows your needs. Do you think the layoff at work was a surprise to him? He knows your needs. He knows you. Do you think the health care caught him off guard? He knows your needs. Trust him with that. So how do you trust God to see you through the hard times? Well, think of him as your father. He is your father. Think of a time in your past when you didn't think you were going to make it. And Father showed up. Use that story to see you through your present crisis. Think of the time when you didn't know how things were going to get paid, yet your Heavenly Father stepped in and it was paid. Think of a time when you didn't think you'd live to see another day, yet God touched your body. And you're alive today. Think of a time when the stress was so great that you thought, you seriously thought you'd lose your mind. Yet your father, he intervened. And you're here today in right mind. Worry can bring on spiritual amnesia. Because we forget the God who saw us through. But if we remember the stories of his faithfulness in the past, it'll see us through our present. Our Father has great blessings for us. If only, if only we will trust him and live for the riches that last forever, not the riches that are temporal. Something else that Jesus brings out in these verses, verses 31 and 32. Worry is symptomatic of how believers, unbelievers act. Verse 32, so don't worry about these things saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. 
Jesus is saying that the lilies, that the, the, the lilies and the flowers, they don't worry, wildflowers, they don't worry about any of these things. And neither should we. And that the lives of those who couldn't care less about him worry. They're dominated by earthly treasure and therefore worry. To be dominated by worry shows that our ultimate hope is not in a loving and caring God. But our ultimate hope is in this world. So rather than being like unbelievers who are concerned, worried about physical needs, we as Jesus' followers need to concern ourselves with the things of God, his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these needs will be supplied to us in God's timing. And that leads me to my third point. How to overcome worry. Seek first. Now I had to go to my second favorite translation, which is the New King James Bible, to find the third word that would begin with F, and it's first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, or first, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And I might add, in the context of all of Scripture, give you everything you need as it relates to the plan that he has for your life. To give priority to God's kingdom means to give our first allegiance to him as king. And righteousness is another way of saying right living is the way of life that results when we give Jesus first place in our lives. Right living. What a testimony that is to the world. When as Jesus followers... We dare to practice Matthew 6, verse 33. What a testimony. I read this quote, and I really like it. Worrying about tomorrow does not help either tomorrow or today. If anything, it robs us of our effectiveness today, which means we will be even less effective tomorrow. Think in terms of your testimony. How true, how true is that? Less effective for the kingdom of God. Not me. I want to be more effective for the kingdom of God. And I believe that's your heart's cry as well here for the most of you. More effective. Him first. Okay, so so I want to bring it all home now. In light of what Jesus is teaching here, what are the implications for me? For me. What are the implications for me? And, you know, I I want us to to do a bit of a reality check here. What do I worry about? Ask yourself that question right now. What are the things, what are the things I really worry about? What are the things I find myself thinking about and working over and over and over in my mind? And what are those things? And here's another question. What divides my attention from heavenly things to earthly things what divides my attention if you remember anything from today please remember that if we worry we really aren't activating our faith we have trust we're not activating our faith and if we worry we develop spiritual amnesia 
where we forget about God, what God has done for us in the past. And we also end up relegating the Lord to second or third or fourth place in our life or maybe no place in our life. And remember that we can stay worry-free most of the time by focusing on these three words, faith, activated, father, remember what he's done for you, and first, give him first place, seek his kingdom, and to live right for him. Very simply put, if we put our faith in our father and put him first, he'll meet our needs. Simply put, that's what Jesus was saying. Maybe you're here today, or you're watching online, and, and you're plagued by worry. And I'm not making light of it. I, I worry. I, I know that that's a real thing when it comes to our kids and our circumstances in life and not having the things we need right now. But maybe you're, you're just plagued with worry and you need prayer. You need to break free. You need to break, break out of that and, and you know you need to. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you're listening and you're thinking, you know, Jesus is the answer for me. I need Jesus in my life. I need him. I need to follow him. I need him to be my leader, my forgiver. We're here to pray for you. We're here to help you. I'm going to let Jesus get the last word here. Verse 34. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God bless you, family of God. God bless you. Go with Jesus. Activate your trust in Him. Remember He's your Father. And give Him first place. God bless you. Have a Jesus-filled